1: Welcome to True Crime Garage, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me as always, wearing the gold chain, backwards bandana, and of course, the tattoo on his chest that reads, Frosted Mug Life. He is the captain.
2: I ain't mad at you. It's good to be seen, and it's good to see you. Thanks for listening, thanks for telling a friend.
1: Today we are drinking Las Vegas Lager with Cucumber and Lime from Big Dogs Micro Brewing in Las Vegas, Nevada. Garage grade, three and a half bottle caps out of five. Summer is almost here and it's warming up outside and this is the perfect beer for the hot summer months. Las Vegas Lager is incredibly refreshing and it was brought to us by some of our very good friends.
2: You mean our homies. Homie big cheers mates go out to kate in new south wales and michelle in victoria and the land down under cheers mates
1: next up a shout out to jerry in london and of course much love from nick and the captain to everybody in our brother country of england stay tough over there
2: and we have a birthday shout out from farah to marty in pflugerville texas
1: and a birthday shout from melissa to her true crime garage addict husband jason happy birthday jason all right
2: thank you al roker What's the 20 on the traffic?
1: And last but not least, we have to say thank you to Stephanie in the DC area. Stephanie, we like your chip. Before we are done with the business though, I have to mention that unfortunately we can no longer do the birthday shout-outs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we apologize, but we are getting a ton of them. And when we're listening back to the show, we're starting to sound like a morning zoo show. And I feel like Al Roker. We sound so that's gotta stop.
2: We sound douchier than we sounded before.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll do them today and we'll do them tomorrow, but after that we have to stop before the show becomes known as Happy Birthday Garage.
2: Yeah, because we're here for beers and blood. And we don't give a shit about birthdays.
1: So. Well, wow, since you put it that way, Captain, if you wanna donate to the show and buy around for the two ungrateful guys in the garage. Go to TrueCrimeGarage.com and click on the donate button.
2: And for everything True Crime Garage, check out the website TrueCrimeGarage.com. Also, check out the store page there. We have a couple t-shirts for sale. They'll probably be sold out this week, so you want to get them
1: now. All right, that's enough of the business. Everybody gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. True Crime.
3: press and the media make you think that a black man arming himself is illegal or criminal or that he wants to arm himself to rob a liquor store or something, you know what I'm saying? That is for me to defend myself, and it should always be. It's just about surviving, you know, and we have to be honest about the tools that we use to survive. And why is a black life um, any, any more recuperable than a white life, you know what I'm saying? We know that they don't put the same security in the ghetto that they do. In the whites in the, in, in the white neighborhoods. So therefore, for me to be out here saying, don't, you know, put your guns down and no violence, that's hypocritical. And if I didn't talk about the violence, everybody would act like the violence wasn't there. We, as rappers, bought that violence. We, we bought the, the violence that we've seen on the street. We put in our records. Put in our records for years. And after three, four years people fast, finally starting to see it because of all the statistics that's going on in the streets. If we stop talking about it, then they wouldn't take statistics. And when they stop taking statistics, then we'd be killing each other in the street and these white people wouldn't care no more. Only people, they only reason they care is because, you know, there's been some strays and we just slipped over in the white neighborhoods and there's kids in Iowa that want to be like us. You know what I'm saying? There's kids in, in Indiana that's trying to be like us. Because they can relate to, you know what I'm saying? You even admit it, I don't live in that neighborhood anymore. There's no real reason for you to carry a 9 millimeter. Don't believe that. Why? In, in two years, I've had a gun pulled on me by my limo driver, by police, by everybody, you know what I'm saying? And I better be, I better be, you know what I'm saying? I've been attacked. You ain't read the papers about these skinheads trying to blow up black churches. Why? They see me as the enemy just like y'all do. You know what I'm saying? They can come to my house and sit outside my house just like anybody else can. A skinhead. And once my life is gone, it's gone. Can't nobody give it back to me. Not the judge. Not the president. Not the governor. Not Calvin Butts. Not Jesse Jackson. They can't do nothing but come to my funeral and talk pretty about how black people suffer. And once my life is gone, it's gone.
1: September 13, 1996, a crowd of people gathered outside the University Medical Center in Las Vegas, Nevada because of Tupac Shakur, a rapper almost as famous for his police record as he was for his music. Inside the hospital, Tupac was fighting for his life. Six days earlier, he had been shot while riding in a car with his record label's owner. At a stoplight, a car pulled up next to the car that Tupac was in and opened fire. Mm-hmm. Tupac was shot four times, and we got to go back and talk about the life of Tupac leading up to the event here, Captain. So Tupac was born June sixteenth, nineteen seventy-one, in East Harlem in a section of New York City. Mm-hmm. His mother, Afini, was an active member of the Black Panther Party in the late nineteen sixties and early nineteen seventies. Now I'll just refer to him as Tupac or Pac. You know, because we have different name changes and I don't want things to get confusing. So, Pac's mother, Afeni, along with 20 other members of the Black Panthers, they were arrested in 1969. They called this group the New York 21. The police said that the group had planned to blow up several places in New York. It sounds like all of the New York 21 made bail, but while they were out, two of the members ran and fled. Well, when this happened... Authorities began rounding up the remaining members, and Afeni found herself in New York Women's House for Detention.
2: And at this time, she's currently pregnant with Tupac Shakur.
1: Yeah, she had to get a court order, this allowing her extra food for the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But really, all it was, in addition to what everyone else was eating, was the addition of an egg and a glass of milk each morning. Afeni said that she had never been able to carry a child past three months of pregnancy, But in the midst of all this, this child stayed. Now, this could be the first indication that this baby wasn't going to be just your average kid. Afeni, from everything I could tell, was a very smart lady. Um, Mm -hmm. She did not have any education as far as a law background goes, but she did serve as her own lawyer. In May of 1971, Afeni and 13 other members were cleared of all charges. So Tupac was born a month After she was acquitted, she was cleared of more than 150 charges of conspiracy against the United States government and New York landmarks in the state of New York.
2: Well, let's be clear, especially in New York City, the Black Panther Party was known for feeding the black community and uh, school children. So just because there was possibly these terrorist threats doesn't mean that she had any involvement. And like you said, she was acquitted of all charges.
1: Tupac said that his mother didn't hide the truth from him, saying she didn't know who his father was. Tupac would later accept Billy Garland as his father. This was a man that his mother had a previous relationship with. In the mid-70s, Afini became involved with Mutulu Shakur, and even though the couple didn't marry, Mutulu considered himself Tupac's stepfather. Mutulu and Afina did have a daughter together. Now, Tupac's stepfather, he ends up he spends 4 years at large on the FBI's 10 most wanted fugitives list beginning in 1982. Mm-hmm. He was wanted for helping his sister escape from a penitentiary in New Jersey in 1979. She had been imprisoned since 1977 for killing a state trooper. She was a fugitive for several years before gaining asylum in Cuba in 1985. Now in 1986, Mutulu was caught tried and convicted for the robbery of a Brinks armored truck in which two police officers and a guard were killed. Sometime in the early 80s, Tupac's mother tried crack cocaine and she did have some drug troubles from time to time. and We'll see this again later throughout his life. So I think we can say growing up was not easy for Tupac. Mm -hmm. There, of course, were many hurdles for this young man.
2: And he's going to get into the arts pretty early in his life.
1: Yeah. In 1983, at the age of 12, Pac's mother signed him up for a theater group in Harlem. Mm -hmm. He was cast as Travis Younger, uh, the character in the play A Raisin in the Sun, which was performed at the Apollo Theater. So this this is a big deal. Uh, in 1985
2: right, I think he uh, per- performed when Jesse Jackson was running for president now in
1: 1985 the family ended up moving to Baltimore Maryland it was there that Tupac enrolled in the Baltimore School for the Arts uh, where he basically studied everything I mean acting poetry music you name it uh, I believe this is where he developed a close friendship with Jada Pinkett uh, or later J- Jada Pinkett Smith I know that he was longtime friends with Jada, and that was no surprise to me when we started looking at this case and who Tupac is or was. And I knew that he had a tough time growing up, but I really didn't know how schooled and educated he was in the arts from such a young age. I find that incredibly surprising. Um, I found a quote that that is it's a bit of a sad one, but I think mm-hmm. it, would, it helped me understand some of his drive. Uh, Tupac said, I didn't like my life, but through acting, I could become somebody else. I think that tells you a lot of what's going on in his world and what got him to focus on these these more positive aspects. In
2: 1988, Tupac's mother is still battling her addiction with crack cocaine, and she's actually in an abusive relationship. So she's going to send her son and her daughter off to live with their godmother in California.
1: Tupac would point to this moment as, quote, as the point where I got off track uh, later, a would follow the kids to California. It sounds to me like the godmother had her own uh, battles that, right, with going was, on. She, she had some alcoholism, I think that was going on there. It was not a perfect situation to send your kids to.
2: Well, and what Tupac stated in multiple interviews was, Oh yeah. So my mom had all these issues. Then she sends us to California all oh, by the way. My Godmother had all the same issues. Mm-hmm. you know, abusive relationship, addicted to drugs.
1: Tupac would eventually drop out of school. Um but he did have a chance meeting in a park with Leela Steinberg, a young writer, teacher, and music producer. Uh, it's through this connection that Pac gets to try out for a group called the Digital Underground, mm-hmm. uh, who was a fantastic rap group. Everybody probably remembers the hit, The Humpty Dance. I once
2: got busy in
1: a Burger King bathroom. Thank you, Captain.
2: I was a fan of the Digital Underground. And if you YouTube, same song by Digital Underground, you actually see Tupac in that video.
1: Well, after this, this must be like 1991. So Tupac is in his first movie. This is hilarious because I loved this movie. This is Digital Underground and Pac, of course. This was the movie Nothing But Trouble. Mm-hmm. The group In the movie, the group is pulled over for speeding, and they have to appear before a judge. The judge is Dan Aykroyd. And when in court, they performed their song titled Same Song. With the judge joining in eventually on keyboards. Um, this movie had Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, and the late great John Candy in it. Uh, so after this, Tupac broke out on his own. He's now like he's now 20. And in late 1991... Yeah, the, the
2: record that he's going to come out with is Tupacalypse Now.
1: Yeah, and around this same time, he's going to get cast in a much bigger role in what, according to critics is probably considered a much better movie. Not, not me because I love nothing but trouble, mm-hmm. but he is cast in a better movie as the, uh, or as, as the captain would say, the film, a film, uh, called juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of a good review of Tupac's early life and his break into fame. But Pac was not just famous for his music and acting, um, once he started getting famous he had run-ins with the law and he also had an attempt on his life now the first story that i could recall with tupac and the police well this is a nasty one in the fall well,
2: of, it's the first one once he's famous
1: mm-hmm. the first one the, in the fall of 1991 uh, police stopped him in downtown oakland california mm-hmm. now he stopped for jaywalking this shouldn't probably shouldn't be a very big deal, right? You probably uh,
2: shouldn't stop him.
1: But but the story I heard is that Pac showed three forms of ID to the two officers that had stopped him. Mm-hmm. But the officers refused to believe that Tupac Shakur was his real name. Pac ends up losing his temper and he wants to know why it took two officers to stop him for something as simple as jaywalking. Mm-hmm. Um, and then shortly after there's a verbal altercation, to put it Nicely, um, the officers then grabbed him, and one puts him in a chokehold. He's taken down to the concrete. Pac says that when he woke up from the attack, he was cuffed and he was face down in the street. He was he was only in jail for about seven hours for this whole thing that went down. Uh, but in December nineteen ninety one. Tupac filed a $10 million civil lawsuit well, against the yeah. Oakland police department.
2: Well, cause you're missing a little bit of the story. So okay. once they arrest him on the street and there was a physical altercation in the street and let's just say Tupac probably provoked some of that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to let him off the hook that easy. Right. But once they got him into the jail, they beat the living crap out of him. Mm. And he had a black eye, he had a bunch of bruises all over his face and that's why he pressed charges.
1: Yeah. And I think he they were, they were pretty brutal to him before that, though, bringing him into the jail where people on the street could see that right. portion of it go down. So he files that $10 million lawsuit against the Oakland Police Department, um, allegedly saying that they brutally beat him for jaywalking. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shakur received approximately $42,000, I believe, in, in settlement money. Um, but most of this... Uh, went to pay for his lawyer in this situation.
2: Yeah, they basically admitted that they're wrong and that there was no charges either. So it's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, nobody wins, nobody loses there.
1: On August 22, 1992, in Marin City, uh, Shakur performed at an outdoor festival, mm-hmm. and he stayed for an hour afterwards signing autographs and pictures. A confrontation occurred, and Tupac pulled out a legally registered gun, And dropped it. Someone picked up the gun and it goes off and a bullet was discharged. Well, about a hundred yards away, a six-year-old boy on a bicycle at a nearby playground, he's hit with the bullet. Uh, It struck him in the forehead and it killed him. Although Tupac and his stepbrother, Maurice Harding, were arrested on suspicion of firing the gun, no charges ended up being filed. Uh, The county prosecutor basically had basically pretty much had no case because of lack of witnesses. Mm -hmm. Uh, But later, a wrongful death lawsuit was brought against Tupac and his label, Interscope, uh, by the kid's mother. So under a confidential settlement, and this is the wording from a newspaper article at the time, a record company for rap star Tupac Shakur has agreed to pay between $300,000 and $500,000 to the parents of a six-year-old boy who was killed by a stray bullet during a scuffle at an outdoor festival in Marin city in 1992. Mm. Now attorneys for Tupac and for the parents of the boy, they reached the settlement in in the lawsuit brought by the dead child's family after several hours of closed door negotiations before, you know, before any witnesses to the shooting could take the stand, right? The lawyers would not publicly discuss details of this agreement. However, sources familiar with the agreement, said a record firm whose name they would not disclose, but we already know is Interscope, will play the will pay the parents more than three hundred thousand dollars, but less than five hundred thousand dollars to settle the suit. They would not be more specific about the mo- the amount. Mm-hmm. In their opening remarks, lawyers for both sides agreed that the bullet that hit the boy came from a handgun that was registered to Tupac. Right but they gave differing versions of how the shooting took place. Now, the parents' attorneys told the jury that Tupac was carrying a concealed weapon. When a fight broke out, he drew the weapon, brandished it, but dropped it, and then yelled at Harding to get the gun. Several shots were fired, including the one that killed the boy. Tupac's lawyer told the jury that Tupac and Harding were attacked by a mob of angry people and at one point, someone fired a gun over the heads of the crowd to scare them off. I'm not certain that that's a great defense, but I guess it's that's probably why they ended up settling. This took place during an outdoor festival, which was among the large, longest-running events conducted by African Americans in Northern California. The event was not held for years after the boy's death. Now, that was taken from a newspaper article from 1995, so, I'm not sure if or when they may have resumed the annual festival. In March of 1993, Tupac was arrested for threatening a limo driver in California.
2: Well, and this is a story he brings up often in interviews. He talks mm-hmm. about, like, why, why do I need to carry a gun? Well, because I've had guns pulled on me in the last several years. And he always talks about that. I've had a gun pulled on me by a limo driver. Well, if you're making threats, maybe that's why the gun was pulled on you. Mm-hmm. or maybe the gun was pulled on you and then you made threats. I'm not, I'm not really for sure.
1: Also in 1993, Tupac was charged with one count of felonious assault. Uh, he was accused of attempting to hit another rapper with a baseball bat at a oh. concert at uh, Michigan State Uni- University. The incident reportedly began when Tupac be- became angry and threw a microphone. Uh, he pled guilty in September of 94 to a misdemeanor in exchange for the dismissal of the felonious assault charge, he was sentenced to 30 days in jail, 20 of which were suspended, and he was ordered to perform 35 hours of community service.
2: Well, if there's trouble, you know, Tupac's there. You know, that's what he does with the baseball bat it, to, to well, straighten it, out the situation. To be fair, I mean, this—he was a small guy. He was what, like five eight, five nine, uh, maybe 150, 160 pounds
1: yeah and I, I, I want to be clear about something too, because in a lot of these stories, all right, you know, yes, we're pointing out that he pled guilty or that he was charged with this. um, there's like we see all the time, there's varying accounts of these stories of mm-hmm. what actually happened, who who was the problem, who was not the problem? Well,
2: and yeah, I mean, look, Tupac is controversial, but I think a lot of his issues came from. I mean, obviously, especially at that time, and you're a celebrity, and you're in you're in the gangster rap world. Mm-hmm. You got a target on your back for trouble, right. right? So I maybe he brought some of this on himself. Maybe it was brought upon him, and he had to defend himself. I I don't know. I wasn't there.
1: Now I don't want to sound like some kind of jackwagon here, but for some reason I like this next story. But but you got to hear it all the way through before you judge me. Okay? Well, uh, are judging you? Before you judge me, I. Uh, uh, in in Atlanta, <laughs>
2: we should have in, never covered the case. The, we got two uh, suburban boys in a garage covering Tupac
1: in Atlanta. In late 1993, Tupac was charged with shooting two off duty suburban policemen.
2: How the hell you like this story? Well,
1: I told you, you got to hear it all the way through okay. before you judge me. See, you, you, I got one sentence in and you start judging.
2: I'm not <laughs> mad at you.
1: The Atlanta police said that the shooting occurred after two cars carrying Tupac and his party almost struck the two men and their wives as they crossed the city street. Tupac was arrested at his hotel shortly after the shooting. He was charged with two counts of aggravated assault and then released on $55,000 bail. Now, Tupac's lawyer said that it appeared from investigators' descriptions of the incident that the two officers started whatever gunplay that had occurred. You know, Mm -hmm. so we have a who-shot-first situation. According to some accounts, it was one of the officers who first drew and possibly fired a gun, although no weapons were recovered. The police say witnesses gave this account of the incident. Mark Whitwell... Uh, he's a police officer, and his wife were crossing the Mark street.
2: Mark Whitwell. Well, I and, wonder what color he is.
1: Well, Mark is a police officer, and he and his wife were crossing an Atlanta street with Whitwell's brother Scott, who is also mm. a police officer, and his wife. After the couples were nearly hit by the car, this is the car with Tupac, and, and his, the other car following them. Right. Um, the two officers were both in civilian clothes at this point. They argued with the driver and the passengers of the car as well as the occupants of the second car that had pulled up. Mm-hmm. So according to some accounts, Mark Whitwell pulled out a gun, but it was not clear whether he had fired it. Witnesses said that Tupac then fired a gun. Three shell casings from a nine millimeter pistol were recovered by police. Now, do you want to hear about the aftermath of this incident?
2: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why you like this
1: story. Okay, we're getting to the part that I like, all right? Okay, it was later determined that the officers were drunk and in possession (laughs) of stolen guns.
2: Oh, great.
1: Okay, so as they crossed the street, a car with Tupac inside passed them or almost struck them. After arguing, Mark Whitwell... Shot at Tupac's car. Mm. Tupac then shot one officer in the buttocks. <laughs> and then the other, he shot the other officer as well. And I think this was in the leg. There's varying news reports about where he shot the guy. Okay. Um, Mark, Mil- Mark Whitwell was charged with firing at Tupac's car and later charged for lying to the police during the investigation. Tupac was charged with, with the shooting as well. But the prosecutors eventually dropped all charges against both parties.
2: Oh, really?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is just like a really bad, horrible incident where you know drunk people stolen drunk guns cops. by the police. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah,
2: cops lying.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, nobody was seriously injured or or killed in this incident. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's just a whole bunch of of people behaving badly. Um, Tupac was supposed to be in the movie Menace to Society Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the directors were twin brothers, uh, who had directed some of, I believe they directed some of Pac's music videos. Uh, but after several fights on the set with the directors, Pock was fired. Well, he, this really upsets Pac, and he, he storms the set armed with a baseball bat. Right. Uh, <laughs> and he goes after both of the twins after both of the directors Uh, He was later found guilty of this assault. Well, let's uh, let's just
2: put it out there for the listeners. I mean, were you a uh, you know normally there was two camps: there was the Tupac camp or the Biggie camp. Mm -hmm. Which camp were you in?
1: Um, I have to pick a whole camp. Um, Yeah,
2: I mean, you could like both of them. I'm just saying, but you'd have to pick one over the other.
1: If I guess, if I could only choose one, I was definitely a bigger notorious big fan mm-hmm. um i owned more of his music than i did of the death row west coast guys mm-hmm. uh i've always liked dr dre a lot uh so that's it's tough for me to say that i don't really think of rap like that you know like um those the gangster rap was never my thing i always liked mm-hmm. kind of the more out there guys like like busta rhymes uh, the Fugees, I like. Um,
2: well, we were pretty young. Cypress Hill. We were also pretty young at the time, mm-hmm. right when like Tupac was coming out and more of a hit. That was like middle middle school, early high school.
1: Yeah, and we were probably still stuck in our grunge phase for a little bit of that time.
2: But okay, so if you had to pick favorite Tupac song, what what would you pick?
1: I tell you what, I. <laughs> You know, I only really liked the hits of Tupac, but if I picked one, and this is one that I would recommend to anybody, because Mm. I think this this song shows his talent. You know, uh, like I said, I'm not big into gangster rap, but... uh, (laughs) He sounds so white when he's... But, well, yeah, Uh, but I like Dear Mama by, Mm. by Tupac, and I'll tell you why, because I think... I think you could listen, like any style of music and still like that song. Like even if you didn't like rap, I think you could pick up that song and be like, all right, I get this. I like it. It's that good of a song.
2: Well, I'm just throwing this out there and and I think one of the hardest things to do is to take a song and remake it and make it better than the original, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one, uh, and a, a, a fabulous artist, a very talented artist, uh, Bruce Hornsby, he had the song The Way It Is. Right. And uh, Tupac remade that and made it into changes. Oh, yeah. I personally think that Tupac's song is better. Now, I might get some hate mail for that, but I think he took a song to the next level. And I think what he's saying is very socially relevant today as much as it was back then. Mm -hmm. Another song that is socially relevant probably today too is uh, Keep Your Head Up. That's another one that you should check out if you're not familiar with his work. But we'll get right back to that after this quick beer break.
1: The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Everyone is still talking about Monopoly Go for a good reason. delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in. With Monopoly Go, there's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy,
2: I highly recommend that you give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com/garage today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp h e l p.com/garage. This show is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Check out betterhelp.com/garage today. Do you want to set your child up for success? Of course you do. That's why you need to check out IXL Learning today. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com garage. Visit IXL.com garage to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Check out IXL.com garage today.
1: Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess Meals. to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active.
2: All right, we're back. Cheers, mates.
1: Cheers. Now, I just want to paint a quick picture here for the younger listeners, Captain, because Mm -hmm. we're only up to about 93, 1993 in our timeline. And we have a guy that that bust I mean the guy bust onto the scene right he comes onto the scene in 91 and Tupac he was you know we have albums coming out he's in multiple movies uh, in such a short period of time this was a guy that became very famous very quickly
2: he almost became it wasn't even just like oh well he's a star or he's a superstar he almost became an icon instantly
1: yeah and the the thing that I remember, being a younger guy was that it seemed like over the course of this two year period that this guy was just always on TV. Like I said, that the, the music, the, the movies, well, uh, the arrest and the arrest. And that's what it was. You couldn't turn on MTV or you couldn't turn on the TV without hearing about something that either he, he was being accused of or an achievement that he made as far as his, his acting or music career Yeah, went. his talents. And then he was in such high demand because he became so famous. He was a huge star that everybody wanted to interview him. So we mm-hmm. have this guy that has these, let's say just, you know, blanket it and say legal troubles. But the thing I remember the most about him was that he would do a lot of interviews and in the legal troubles always came up during the interviews. So you would get to hear kind of his opinion on some of these things, which was not something that you always saw with most stars. You know, most stars, if, if they're facing some kind of trouble, they might try to hide from the limelight a little bit. Uh, well,
2: right. But I don't know how many stars <laughs> were facing this much trouble.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, that. And, you know, he was a, he was a very young man at this point in his life. Um, but and I believe in, in at least one occasion they had used some footage from one of his interviews even against him at one of his trials.
2: Yeah, and I also think you know uh, to paint a picture to it, as much as it was you know from the outsider looking in, it would just be ah oh, this guy's a gangster rapper, right? So he's he's a thug, right? And he was saying stuff like thug life and stuff, so he's just. But when you really break down a lot of his interviews, he was saying a lot of things of substance. This this guy was uh, a character of a lot of substance.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, very very intelligent guy. He might not have always shown that off of the stage. Um, I I think with his legal trouble, what I see here is is a is like I said earlier, he's a very young man. I think he was impulsive young man at times, overreacting in situations.
2: Yeah, and I think he was. Um, forthcoming with the idea, hey, I'm, I'm angry. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I grew up in the gutters and nobody helped me. And now that I'm getting something, I'm, I'm angry.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, in 1993, this was in November of 1993. Um, this was one of his more well-known legal troubles that he faced. Uh, Tupac and others were charged with sexually assaulting a woman in a hotel room. Uh, of course, he denied the charges. According to Tupac, he had had prior relations days earlier with the woman that were consensual. Uh, mm-hmm. He says that his accuser claimed sexual assault after her second visit to Tupac's hotel room. And she alleged that secure Tupac Secure and his entourage had raped her. Um, so this thing, this thing goes to trial. Uh, The woman testified that she had had consensual oral sex with Tupac at a nightclub Mm -hmm. uh, four days earlier
2: on the dance floor.
1: Yes. And we know that from watching an interview with Arsenio Hall um, where he talked about some of, you know, some of this case as much as he probably could being that he's still on trial and
2: possibly more than he should have.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But she, she says that at the hotel room, that Tupac wanted to share her with his friends who forced themselves on her. She said that Tupac and three of his friends, they quote set upon set upon me like animals Mm -hmm. Uh, as the victim addressed the court. Now she's talking to the court, right? She's giving her statements. Tupac stares intensely at her during her statements. Uh, He then he gets up and apologized to her. Uh, he went on to say, I'm not apologizing for a crime. He added, I hope in time you'll come forth and tell the truth. Uh, the defense said that she had made the accusations out of jealousy when, when she had seen Tupac with another woman. Right. Now, one thing going on here at the trial, this was a very well publicized trial. Like the captain said, this is something he spoke about in interviews um, so there were a lot of Tupac supporters present at this trial. In fact at one point a, a woman that was in the courtroom she leaned over the rail and kissed Tupac on the cheek uh, bef- this is just before a court officer ordered her back to her seat. I'm, I'm surprised she wasn't thrown out of the court completely.
2: Well and again we, we should put this in a little more context too though I mean yeah as much as he has you know you know the gangster rap, songs he also had some very like we were talking about before these uh socially relevant songs and one of the songs was keep your head up and and that song was all about it was a very feminist uh viewpoint on on everything
1: Mm
2: -hmm. uh and very uh
1: well if i remember correctly that's the song where you know he this some songs are a story right right and the the if i remember correctly this is the song where he talks about The woman, she's wearing sunglasses or glasses, and he knows why she's wearing the glasses because somebody had hit her. Yeah,
2: well, he was raised by a single mother, and so it's very, you know, um, stay strong. You know, if you're a single mother, yeah, you have a lot more to deal with, but stay strong. It's worth it. You know, your kids are counting on you. And and a lot of stuff, too, with, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship, you're worth more than that. And, And just things of that nature.
1: Well, on the night of November 30th, now this is 1994. uh, This is still during the trial for the sexual assault charges that Tupac was facing. Tupac was robbed and shot five times by three men in the lobby of the Quad Recording Studio in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Uh, Tupac stated that he believed the robbery to be a setup, uh, that he was set up for the attack. And he, he even made comments about, you know, they stole jewelry from me, but why did they leave, you know, my Rolex watch? They didn't take that. Right, uh, Tupac, he, you know, think about this for a second here. He shot five times, right? right. He, he very quickly checked out of the Bellevue Hospital Center against doctor's orders. This was just three hours after surgery. Um, and then... In the day that followed, he entered the courthouse back at his trial in a wheelchair.
2: Yeah. Well, and the, the the big suspicion here was, you know, they already had this East Coast, West Coast battle going on. So a lot of people thought that East Coast rappers were responsible for this possible hit. But also the other thing, too, was uh, Tupac, you know, the cops actually thought that they could solve this case. But Mm -hmm. Tupac wasn't really that cooperative with them.
1: No, no. Um, in fact, uh, well, let's, let's get back to the trial real quick and we'll go through this, this whole attack because that's a whole, that's a whole other can of worms. Um, in the end, Tupac and his road manager, this is Charles Fuller. Mm -hmm. Uh, they were convicted of first degree sexual abuse. Um, they were acquitted of weapons and sodomy charges. Uh, Tupac was sentenced to one and a half to four and a half years in prison for sexually as, abusing the, they call her a fan. Uh, and he tearfully apologized to his victim, but even as he apologized, he said that he had committed no crime.
2: Right. And he states this over and over and over and over again in interviews. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to this, uh, attack. Uh, or the shooting that happened at the, in the recording studio.
1: Yeah, and you could almost call this an attempt on his life to be shot five times or shot at five times. It almost appears like an attempted murder. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, there was a robbery as well. But in a 1995 interview with Vibe magazine, uh, Tupac accused Sean Combs, uh, better known as Puffy or Puff Daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Jimmy Henchman, and Biggie, among others, you know, so there's other people he accused of this, of setting this situation up, um, of setting up the attack at the quad recording studios. Now, eventually the 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 magazine would change the names of some of the accused assailants upon publication. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the, it did not they did not implicate Biggie or Puff Daddy in this In this actual thing, but that's who he was accusing.
2: Yeah, but if you're a Tupac fan and you listen to, uh, probably at this time, half of his songs, he starts saying, "You you guys know what you did? Mm -hmm. You know you tried to kill me." He puts it out in songs.
1: Now, I had read some information that said that Biggie had entourage that was upstairs uh, when this incident took place. Mm -hmm. Um, Which, from the way I understand it, this is a large. This is a, took place in a large building. Um, now I I don't know if that's for certain, but the way that the story goes is that Biggie's entourage, whomever they were, they went downstairs to check out the incident, and Tupac was being carried out on a stretcher by this time, and he's basically you know he, he's being Tupac, he's he's shouting at everybody, he's angry at the situation. Of course, he's just been shot five times, and he's been and he's giving the finger to anybody in the area. <laughs> All right. Now, I do want to touch upon some things here before we get to the the situation that takes place in Las Vegas, because there are a lot of people that believe that these two attacks could be tied in together, that they could have potentially been carried out by the same person or persons Mm -hmm. or ordered by the same person or persons. So in, in the Los Angeles Times, this is journalist Chuck Phillips. Now, Phillips would later allege that Sean Puffy Combs and Chris Wallace, better known as Biggie, uh, were aware a week in advance that Tupac would be ambushed in the 1994 shooting in New York's quad recording studio. Um, this would be two years before he was shot and killed in Vegas. Uh, and the quote says that they were advised in advance of what was going to happen. Uh, they did not know the assailants were going to be shooting. In fact, they were told not to shoot. Mm -hmm. Um, but what had happened apparently was that when this attack went down, they state that Tupac pulled a gun and went haywire and it was supposed to just be a severe beating that turned into this, this terrible shooting.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, again, like we said, there was a lot of these battle rap songs going on between West coast and East coast, a lot of trash talking Uh, back. But look, Tupac's from New York. Biggie's from New York. Um, Biggie and Tupac were friends for a while. Uh, Biggie actually opened up for Tupac multiple Mm -hmm. times. Now, you know, there's a lot of speculation on why they had the falling out uh, possibly with Tupac sleeping with Biggie's wife and things like that. Um, But as far as their careers go, having that battle between each other and that hype, again, like we said, in this uh, two, three year period, you could not turn on the TV without seeing Tupac Shakur on MTV, MTV News. Same way with Biggie, because every time Tupac was doing an interview, he did probably a hundred times more interviews than Biggie. But every time he's bringing up Biggie's name.
1: Yeah. If if there were going to be an Elvis of rap, you could put Tupac and Biggie as the one A and one B, you know, depending on who you talk to. That was the biggest guy. That was the king of hip hop.
2: All right. So who was trying to get at one of the kings, right? Who was trying to get at Tupac?
1: So in Phillips' article, he also alleges that the main mastermind behind Tupac's setup was that Jimmy, the henchman guy. Remember we mentioned him earlier, but um, it, but
2: he has connections to Puff
1: Daddy. Correct, and and he it's it's Jimmy Henchman Roseman is is what I don't I don't believe any of that is his full real name, <laughs> um, but basically uh, I'm in the
2: wrong business, man.
1: It states that Phillips the the writer of the article had arrived at this conclusion after years of delving into the incident. He had talked to men who he believed were directly involved in the shooting and had uncovered papers documenting uh, the incident from an S- an FBI investigation mm-hmm. whose findings coincide with what the article was stating. Now, the the FBI talked to some criminals according to these documents and these criminals said that Jimmy Henchman was involved um i do i do want to be clear here though because um it, this they would later the los angeles times would later retract this article mm-hmm. um because i think they i think because they, of, were they were
2: afraid they're going to get sued
1: yeah because i think it came into question how he may have um uncovered some of this evidence and where he received some of these documents from, Mm -hmm. Um, Or how it, yeah. Yeah. The rumor is this, that he received them from a guy that had told some stories in the past and might've forged some things in the past. So Mm -hmm. when you receive documents from this guy, you got to wonder, did he forge these particular documents themselves? Right now, years later, we have this, this person, Dexter Isaac, Um, He he was serving life in prison without parole for multiple murders and and armed robberies. Um, Apparently, he was working on releasing a book detailing his life in New York City, you know, on the streets of New York City as a hitman and as muscle for uh, this Jimmy Henchman Roseman guy that we've been talking Mm -hmm. about. Uh, So apparently Jimmy Henchman at some point finds his way into prison as well. Serving quite a bit of time, maybe even life for drug trafficking, money laundering, and witness tampering. So, right. we're seeing a lot of...
2: Too bad Puffy didn't go with them.
1: Well, we're seeing a lot of bad dudes uh, that are rumored to have been involved in this setup that Tupac was talking about. Yeah, you
2: well, know, it's interesting that he didn't want to cooperate with the, the police. But but I know that's that's different. It's a different time, and it's also a different uh, lifestyle.
1: Uh, the attack the attack itself went like this, according to Dexter. He says that Jimmy, the henchman, had approached him and some of his associates, and they ordered he ordered them to rob Tupac when he got to the studio that evening. Dexter says he was paid $2,500 cash to carry this out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jimmy told Dexter not to shoot Tupac. Uh, but to catch him by surprise and pistol whip him, and then kick him around for a little bit and take his biggest diamond ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dexter said that he saw Puff Daddy immediately after that conversation. He saw Puff with Jimmy and stating that he made eye contact with Puffy.
2: All right, so then he took him out to dinner and they they made love all night. <laughs> what, what what's the point? He so he made eye contact with a uh, Powder Puff Daddy.
1: Well, what I what I think he's stating here is that he's saying, you know, I was hired to carry out this robbery to to go Mm -hmm. attack Tupac. Um, And before we get too far into this, I do want to mention there are some accounts out there. We talked about Tupac being shot five times. Mm -hmm. There are some accounts, according to certain witnesses, that Tupac might have accidentally shot himself once or <laughs> twice during this altercation I'm that, sorry, I'm wh- sorry. <laughs> right
2: but but come on <laughs> you're getting attacked and then you pull a gun out and you end up shooting yourself like I said you shouldn't be carrying a gun if that's what's gonna happen
1: I don't know for certain but according to oh, some okay. witnesses they think that he might have shot himself okay once or again twice.
2: okay we but
1: but what does this have to do with puffy is what you wanted to know
2: n- yeah but the thing is is this is now the second altercation that we know of that he pulls a gun on and there's accidental shootings right and and again too, two thousand bucks hey i want you to go into the studio and and rob tupac i want you to get his biggest diamond ring i'll give you two grand two grand really it seems this guy beats people up with baseball bats it
1: seems a little light too for a guy that that was pretty vocal about always carrying a gun or a firearm you know you right i would assume if i were this dexter isaac but but then again, this Dexter Isaac guy's is serving life in prison. So maybe he's not mm-hmm. all there. Maybe the elevator doesn't go all the way up or maybe he just don't give a shit. Right. And the thing oh, is, is
2: that, did you just cuss for oh, the first uh-oh. time on the show?
1: We're breaking down walls. Oh wow, man.
2: Here we, we start talking about Biggie and Tupac.
1: You get got gangsta. A,
2: whoa. you get real gangsta <laughs> up in here. Okay. So let's get back to Pow- powder puff daddy. Right. Okay. So how does, and if you can't him? tell, I don't like him.
1: Um, well, this, these are just statements according to this Dexter Isaac guy, right? Mm-hmm. So basically what he's saying is that shortly after he's hired by Jimmy, like just minutes after he's he, we have this conversation, he hires him to take out this attack on Tupac that he sees Puff Daddy with this same guy that just ordered it. Right. Meaning that the guy that ordered it could be some kind of middleman for Puff Daddy. Um so basically he's, I want to put
2: it past him though. I want to put it past him.
1: Well, Dexter claims th- his claims basically kind of confirm what other people were already believing at the time that Puff Daddy was at least aware of this plan. Now, Dexter says that there's no way that Biggie or any of Junior Mafia uh were there that night uh because he because he knew Puff Daddy. Right. And uh he knew when he went into the studio that none of these other dudes were around. He sees Puff Daddy with this Jimmy guy that night, and that's that's what he's saying. All right,
2: so Powder Puff Daddy is maybe the go-between guy to, to order the hit, is what you're saying. Right. And then, let's be clear. I'm, I'm a big Biggie fan. I'm a big Tupac fan, big Biggie fan. Yeah.
1: I think you can be fans of both. I don't yeah, think you yeah. have to choose a side here. Um, well, I'm
2: choosing a side that I don't like powder puff daddy
1: that's fine we'll 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 go with that right um so but so he he goes and describes this incident in some detail um he says that the initial head wound that uh tupac suffered uh was because of dexter's associate who he labels as jd Mm -hmm. uh he pistol whipped tupac remember this was part of jimmy's request Mm -hmm. um and then he says that tupac reached for his gun And they were wrestling for the gun fighting for the gun for a while before Tupac could pull it out completely. Now the gun during this course, it goes off. Well, maybe that's how he got hit. Yeah. Well, and Dexter believes that Tupac, and these are his words. These are Mm. not scientific words here, but he says that (laughs) he says that the gun went off and he shot himself in the nuts. Um, (laughs) Well, this is where, remember how I said there's varying accounts of, you know, he oh, Pac sorry. is shot five times, right? You, just, and there's, there's some witnesses that say that Pac shot himself once, some saying he shot himself twice. Mm-hmm. Well, according to De- Dexter, he shot himself once. When if you um, shoot
2: yourself in the nuts, that's like shooting yourself five times
1: you right but again it's it's not a scientific thing he might have just shot himself in the pants mm-hmm. you know what i mean uh or or the
2: bullet went straight through the screw
1: yeah I, t- I don't think that dexter's sitting there analyzing the situation i think it's probably a pretty quick attack there's probably a lot of confusion and then you run the hell out of there
2: yeah he probably didn't say tupac pull down your drawers let me see what happened
1: but he says that tupac wouldn't quit fighting uh, that he wouldn't quit fighting back, which I think is what we would all expect. Um, it, they were trying to take all of Tupac's jewelry and that they shot him several times well, after right. this because he wouldn't quit fighting.
2: Well, and because they're only be, being paid 2000 bucks, but maybe the thing was, uh, we want you to rob him and whatever you get, you can keep.
1: Mm-hmm. He He goes on to state that it was, well, that basically once Tupac was at the hospital that Jimmy was willing to send somebody or some buddies there to the hospital to finish the job. Right. And according to this guy, that some of some of Tupac's guys caught wind of this or heard this rumor from somebody, or Mm -hmm. I think it was phoned into them from somebody. They called the police and said, look, our buddy, our dude was, he was attacked. He was shot several times. He's in the hospital And we heard the rumor that the guys that that set him up, the guys that tried to kill him, well, they're going to come to the hospital and finish the job.
2: Well, this, yeah, this happens all the time. I mean, I used to work at a bank right beside of a a hospital. And if there was a gang-related shooting and there was somebody that got hit, right, Mm -hmm. and they were in recovery, that they had to um, guard Mm-hmm. that you know for maybe possibly retaliation or or whatever
1: and i believe that that stuff totally goes down you know that, that, that there's probably several attempts on people in certain mm-hmm. situations but it, it seems very like italian mob movie to me right you know yeah. i mean like you, you see that in a lot of the italian mob movies so anyway they phone into the police that you know, you've got to send some people over here because this guy is going to get killed. We're going to have an incident at the hospital.
2: And possibly one of the reasons why Tupac didn't want to stay in the hospital.
1: Well, I think you're on to something there, Captain, because the rumor is this, that the police were basically like, yeah, we hear you. We're understaffed. We can't can't send anybody over there to guard the door or or whatever it was going to be.
2: Well, and also in their defense, I mean, you know how many times Tupac, talk shit about the cops and yeah. songs or in interviews and stuff like that. And then look, if you're going to talk mad shit about the cops, like I'm talking mad shit about, you know, uh, puff daddy, right? But, but you but don't not,
1: expect to be invited to this pool party, right?
2: But I'm not going <laughs> to call up puff daddy and say, Hey, can you produce a song for me and, and do some dumb dances in my videos? I'm not going to do that.
1: Well, and like you said, you know, that's probably good reason why to, you know, I wondered I wondered this because the,
2: why what, does Puff Daddy dance like a idiot?
1: Well, the, that's a whole nother that's a whole another episode. That's a whole nother crime. But but the thing here is Captain, you know, the what I heard was that Tupac's buddies called in this information to the police. And like you said about Tupac, he was it let's is, say outspoken, mm-hmm. okay? He was a very outspoken guy. I always wondered even if the police had shown up to watch his room could you think of how possibly uncomfortable that situation could have been for anybody? You know, could you see a police officer showing up to his room and then Tupac giving that dude stuff, Right, at giving him point, the business, right. giving him the business. But like you said, um, that is, is the rumor why Tupac probably left the hospital at the very first chance he could as, right, out of fear, as, as, right, as early right. as he could run out the door. He did against, doctor's orders shortly after the surgery
2: well right you were just attacked by these people and you might not know who they are but now you're getting rumors and
1: you might not have any nuts left <laughs> so i shouldn't have said that that's horrible i can't i'm turning into the captain
2: <laughs> I think you, I nurse
1: think you, nurse <laughs> we're all out of
2: nuts oh god i think uh i think i think we drank too much I think we, we need to wrap this up pretty soon. Okay, so where were we at?
1: Well, before we do, uh, we, you know, we should mention after this attack on Tupac, mm-hmm. after the attempt, and I'm going to call this, uh, this is an attempt on his life in my opinion. This mm-hmm. is a, a murder attempt. I don't care if people say that we were just supposed to beat him. I don't care right, what, right, what right. goes down once you get there. Uh, no, this you, is what you, took place.
2: You, right, you don't care what you're told to do what you care is what actually happened. That's it, what
1: it exactly. So the thing here is Pac has to go back to court. He's still waiting, you know, for the end of this trial on the sexual assault mm-hmm. case. Um, You know, he's in a wheelchair. We talked about he and his road manager, Chris Fuller, were both convicted of first degree sexual abuse. And now Tupac has this lengthy prison sentence. And I say lengthy because the other th- charges he had faced in the past, he received You know, 20-day sentence or a 30-day sentence or or things were settled out of court. Um, So Tupac began serving his prison sentence on the sexual assault charges at the Clinton Correctional Facility. Um, This would be in 1995. Now, shortly afterward, uh, he released his multi-platinum album, Me Against the World. Everybody remembers that one. Uh, Tupac became the first artist to have an album at number one on the Billboard Billboard 200 chart while serving a prison sentence. So he's got that going for him.
2: All right. Good accomplishment.
1: Well, in October of 1995, Tupac, his case is up for appeal at this time. Um, but because he has considerable legal fees, mm-hmm. he could not raise the, this is what I've been told, $1.4 million bail. That's that's a whole lot of bail. Um, so after serving nine months of his prison sentence, uh, Tupac is released due in large part to the help and influence of a one Suge Knight, right. uh, who was the CEO of Death Row Records. He posted... Apparently he posted the $1.4 million bail in exchange for Tupac signing a deal with death row records.
2: Right. And this was all done and this was all handwritten. I think it was like maybe a three or four pages. It was pretty goofy deal and it was actually a three record deal.
1: Yeah. And from my understanding, like you said, captain, this was all pretty closed door hush, hush type stuff for a long time. Wasn't Mm -hmm. it like we'll, we'll post your extremely high bail In exchange, you're signing a record deal with us. That doesn't, it doesn't seem like a real.
2: And I, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head who Death Row was actually distributed by, Mm -hmm. but But, they possibly were distributed by Interscope.
1: mm -hmm. And like you said, um, you know, now this is binding Tupac to a three album deal with death row records. And now Tupac was scheduled to be, to uh, be released from prison because of the influence of a one Suge Knight who will, we'll have to, he's a whole nother, he's a whole nother character in himself that we'll have to get into in tomorrow's show. Four
0: characters
2: in one. Yeah. So just to clarify what I was talking about before the label that he was on, you know, we talked uh, about Tupac being on interscope. Well, the sub label of that was jive. Right, and all this contract did was basically make the sub label now death row. It was still under Interscope records but okay. this 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 contract he signed was I don't know I mean if he would have want to fight it in court, he probably coulda could' beat it
1: well, and i I don't know the details of the contract, but he was like like we said at the time, he's a number one. You know, he, him yeah. and Biggie are the two biggest guys. So if you have a record label and you can get one of these dudes on your label, you're going to become one of the biggest labels. And the thing here is it, it, it might be because I would argue, like you said, he might be able to beat it in court because you almost could argue that under duress, mm-hmm. he signed this unfair deal, let's say. Um yeah. who knows the stipulations of it but it's seems- Yeah I don't think it was
2: uh I don't think it was like an unfair deal but I, he was already running around in that circle of uh rappers anyways and, I, and and Death Row was already coming up I mean they had the biggest producer in the hip hop world Dr. Dre mm-hmm. uh Snoop Dog was getting big at the time so and they were all friends so I think I think also part of it too was maybe for the prote- for the protection of it Suge Knight being a, a gang member turned bodyguard turned record owner, mm-hmm. record label owner, so I think maybe he wanted to join forces, uh, forces with them for security reasons. I mean, he was just shot five times.
1: Okay, well we'll get into the the night in Vegas, the famous night in Vegas, uh, and we'll get into a bunch of theories, you know, regarding who took down Tupac, who was involved. All that tomorrow.
2: Well, and we got to start off with the idea of is he dead or alive?
1: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. Thank you for the five star reviews on iTunes. We will see everybody back here in the garage tomorrow. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter.